The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning, and it is a good morning, too. It's just cleared off blue sky, nice day here at Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor. And around this wet world at WERU.org. Second Tuesday of the month at 10 o'clock, that brings around this show, Boat Talk. Talk is the call-in show for people contemplating things naval with your rusty anchors. Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague, who are talking marine heads, who are just flush with <laughs> knowledge. Ah, good one. <laughs> I thought that was rather appropriate. Yeah, and and uh, Alan's a punny one. We were uh, going through a, a couple of uh, possibilities about what we might do this morning none of them have mostly worked out but then i, I lay in bed and i'm thinking now what if i had to come up with a pun what is a pun anyway oh man i'm so lost and uh, well like a jazz musician once you start thinking you lost and uh, there you go that's a good one I, yeah i like what the flushed uh, heads yes yeah, yeah we are definitely marine heads talking heads um you were uh talking about uh what to do is uh i i kind of think I like these. What the uh, Barefoot Blues guy says: uh, Today's a really good day for call in. Yep. Yep. Today is a great, great day for requests. Yes, uh, it is. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number. And a rainy morning, but yesterday was just spectacular. It was what sixty something oh, degrees, boy. and the yeah. sun was shining. And you look up from what you were doing; it was so bright, and you just almost stunned. And and. Uh, Everybody was foolish yesterday, thinking it was sort of like the middle of July. Huh. Um, everybody uh, and his brother seemed to have the loudest motorcycle in Maine out <laughs> revving up, for instance, you know. Yeah. Um, saw a couple people uh, wading around in, in uh, literally in the mud in the front yard of the trailer with no shirt on, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning in April. And, yeah. and you yeah. go, really? I, I saw a lady but, walking around in flip-flops already. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, mud season people and and uh, have you tried to walk across some cleared ground with no snow on it now and, and you come to a uh, solid piece of ground that will then give way under your feet uh, you've you've stepped on a frozen uh, lens of, of soil there yeah. that has uh, a morass under it yeah. um, man I tried to <laughs> a morass you had, oh. I don't know if you can say that in the radio. yeah hard traveling this yeah. this time of year it was the Time to uh, come out of the lumber camp, go into Bangor, and and uh, you know have a rum. So yeah, yeah, yeah. spring breakup season, spring break, uh, hard yeah. hard sledding. As I say, it's, yeah. uh, we're into the thick of mud season. So um, while we're off course like that in the mud season, I'm uh, curious about other people who might uh, have a comment about maple syrup right now too. Is kind of at the end of the season, and uh, my trees are tapered. Stop making very much sap. I wonder if that's an indicator of the end or whether they're just on uh, spring break. <laughs> you have a history of maple syrup, and uh, was this a good year for you? How's, what's the trend? Well, yeah, it was going really good up until um, last weekend, and then it shut right down. And I, 
I'm wondering if the trees know that it's a time to transition into leaves and, and stop the sap or whether it'll come on again. I usually don't uh, pull the plugs until the buds begin to swell, trying to get as much as I can. It'll, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, makes me salivate. We talked of it Sunday morning, and it and, uh, makes me salivate just uh, <laughs> thinking about uh, maple syrup. Yeah, so what a beautiful it. thing. And it is springtime, and it's a busy time for motorcycle people and, and boat people, too. Getting your boats ready. Boat yeah. people, yes. It's yeah. uh, the uh, busy season. And, again, it's been a, um, a pretty good year for everybody, if you look at it. Um, I, uh, among other uh, tricks this morning, managed to, I think I recycled the clipping file. Uh, to the Ellsworth dump. So the uh, article about the uh, uh, statistics of last year's fishery, uh, don't have the numbers, but I can tell you that those are good. Un, okay, the Lobster fishery. Yes. yes, and we're talking mainly the lobster fishery, is, is I hate to say, it, it becomes a... Uh, well, there is a good article by Lori Schreiber in this month's Fisherman's Voice that does have the statistic. Anybody wants to put, get the details, but yes, you're right, Montpelier. A lot of fishermen, uh, lobster fishermen, are, are quite happy. Yep, and um, just came from a boat shop down the road. They're building a, a new boat there, uh, a lobster fisherman out of Southwest Harbor. And uh, this is the fourth lobster boat that he's built. Now, when we say built, actually most fishermen now buy a hull. Built him, yes, buy, yeah. buy the hull and Already the deck made. and then put it together himself. Yep. And we might have talked to him about uh, his experiences this morning and, and so on, what he's learned uh, building four boats. Uh, it was more fun than fishing and, and uh, you know. Yeah, if you start making four boats, maybe you ought to think about a little occupation change. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a um, uh, morning with a fiberglass bucket down in the uh, uh, forward cabin there and probably not a good time talking <sighs> on the radio. So, But here's the thing, um, because the fishery is um, such a lucrative garden, uh, you know, people are taking the money that's coming coming by and investing it. And as uh, they were pointing out in the Point Seas magazine, it's not just the old fellows that are, are uh, building the new boats. Young young fishermen uh -huh. are building new boats. And the trend is to bigger and wider, bigger and wider, bigger and wider, and especially wider. wider. Sure. Yes. Yeah. This one I was just on, It's a, uh, I think it's a 46-foot duffy, and I think it's almost 18 feet wide. <laughs> and it's stunning to walk up on it. I've never been on such a big lobster boat. But that gives them more ability to uh, put more bigger traps on at a time when they're uh, carting gear around. Mm -hmm. um, let's say we got, uh, you know, six, 800 traps that have to be moved around uh, from here to there all the time. And uh, But then on a day of hauling, how, how many traps can one boat haul in a day to start with? Um, you need to store those lobsters and... Um, um, told a uh, aggressive lobster boat can uh, haul between let's say uh, uh, two, three hundred, four hundred uh, plus traps a day mm -hmm. up the hauler. If uh, you know, um, and again, a bigger, wider boat will set better in the water and not jink you up and down so much. Yes. Or like a wooden boat where all the screws are loose, uh, shake you to death. You know. Yes. Yeah. You're right. When you start making a really wide, flat bottom on a wooden boat, you're, you're racking those ribs. <laughs> Yeah. Quite hard when you're rolling back and forth. Yeah, and the uh, technique is um, basically you take a uh, standard design boat. Now we've we've uh, all lengthened boats as as boat builders, fiberglass boats, and you take and you cut the back end of the fiberglass boat off, and mm -hmm. and you pull it a foot or two away from the rest of the boat, and then you try to match up in between. That's how you lengthen a boat. 
when they widen these lobster boats, they cut parallel to the keel on either side and put spreader pieces in along the side of the bottom there and just mm-hmm. spread her wider, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, again, longer, wider, heavier. And uh, so the, uh, the lobsters are there, and the fishery is branded sustainable. And water's changing, man. Mm. You know, water's changing. Uh, they're speaking of lobsters too. In Fisherman's Voice, an interesting article that Lori also wrote about uh, how they're trying to make a specific uh, brand for new shell lobsters, the, the, the sweet meat lobsters, as a seasonal delicacy. Yeah, so I nice. like them. I'm yeah. I'm good with that. Yes. <laughs> Who wants a big old tough one? Yeah. Yeah, right. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, here's the uh, the point I'm making here, and and uh, you know. We give the phone number about any time here this morning. As we said, great morning for uh, phone calls. Uh, it is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Yeah, um, yeah. The water's changing. Believe it or not, about the global warming, you can skepticize anything you want, but uh, things are changing. And um, having delivered boats for years, uh, I traveled the East Coast by water. And thirty years ago, there was fishing gear. Uh, where there isn't nowadays. And, you know, specifically, you, you head down the East Coast here, uh, Massachusetts waters, uh, Rhode Island Sound, uh, Long Island Sound. There's the odd lobster buoy, but not like it used to be, you know. And uh, it's kind of coming this way. You, you kind of wonder. So yeah. um, Gulf of Maine, on the other hand, kind of unique uh, body of water. It's kind of a... Kind of swirls around. Yeah, but it's a trap body of water. It looks open to the ocean, but it has George's Bank plugging plug in the mouth there, and it has a unique... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a unique place. So uh, we kind of hope it'll all hang together. <laughs> and just think of, the again, the richness of that garden, that lobster garden out there supporting how many people. Um, article uh, just recently about trying to figure out the shrimp, shrimp fishery. There basically isn't one right now. No. Um, you know. Second year in a row. Yep. Um, scallops are setting records for price for a dollar amount and not because of uh, tonnage, but because price is so high because they're so precious right now. Yeah, they are. There's yeah. quite limited access right now as far as the zones you can go in. Another time I called you, you weren't uh, fixing maple syrup for breakfast. You were having scallops for supper, and that made my mouth water that, too. That was our friend Diver Ed. Oh, man. Yeah, he dives for scallops. Those are good friends to have. Yeah, they are because uh, you get a little... When you're diving for scallops, you get to pick and choose the scallops you take, and yeah. uh, you get some nice big ones. Boy, there! I think it was like three scallops for a meal. I'm a big fan of a of a good cooking show on the TV, you know. And uh, so anyway, they'll often uh, do the scallops as they call them. Yes, yes, which is wrong to start with. And and uh, recently they were going on about how you had to get the right scallop scallops, not the little ones injected with uh, seawater that you get at your supermarket and. And again, if you know Diver Ed, that's really not an issue. <laughs> no, no, you're getting the real thing with Diver Ed for sure. Yeah, and you can know Diver Ed anytime. He does run that uh, Starfish Enterprise uh, uh, tour boat out of uh, Bar Harbor, and uh, happily lent it to us last year for the boat talk cruise. Yeah, yeah, trying to work on uh, doing that again this this. Yeah, what a good the... time we had doing that. Yes, so. it was fun. Yeah, we actually, uh, I'm still looking to get it. We're uh, photographed by a. a a shadow ship, remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. And again, uh, yeah, we want those photographs. Yes, that's why I don't take photographs all I those trips. I let other people photograph me and get copies, right? 
Yeah, I'm working on that. But, All right. Uh, 1-866-625-9378. Um, one question that might throw out to you boat people out there is we're talking about making lobster boats wider. Are they eventually going to become catamarans? Don't see why not. Yeah, why not? I mean, they're more fuel efficient. Yeah. They're wider. Um, again, uh, handling issues uh, take up more dock space, uh, you know, uh, possibilities on that. But yeah. I don't see why not. They might get really into really bad seas. They might be less, more inclined to flip over, perhaps. How about this one? I don't, um, I don't want to try that out. Yeah. Um, uh, attended a lobster boat symposium uh, down to Maine Maritime Academy last August, uh, put on by the Castine Yacht Club, and the theme there was bigger, wider, and more horsepower, more horsepower, more horsepower. Mm. Okay, and uh, the boys are crazy about the racing, and and just in general, more horsepower. You can haul more traps. You can get in and out faster. Um, get yourself out of trouble if you get into it, and, and of course, burn, burn a lot more fuel. But here's the point I'd be getting to. The first fellow shows up at one of them lobster boat races in a catamaran and skips ahead of the whole fleet and disappears out in front of them. That could be an influence on uh, turning some people's heads, you know? Yeah, yeah. I believe we have a, uh, a person knowledgeable about catamaran lobster boats. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing this morning, Alan and uh, Mike? It's Steve from Southwest Harbor. Morning, Steve. How you doing? The uh, I was going to call earlier, and then I I got work to do, so I'm trying to concentrate. But when you mentioned getting wider and going to cats, I thought it, certainly the research is still going on at Penobscot East Resource Center. I saw in the paper the other day that uh, they've gotten some more money to continue uh, developing an efficient boat. They've come up with a trimaran design, which makes sense, single engine as opposed to a cat, which would take two. Yeah. But I certainly see that somebody's going to have to do it eventually because cats with a displacement hull, thin, uh, you can do the speeds that the lobstermen want for a lot less horsepower. And uh, why nobody's tried it yet, I don't know, but it's uh, just a matter of time in my opinion. Speed with less horsepower. Again, we come back to you can still go fast. So, yeah, what about the lobster boat races? You think uh, they have a, a real good chance? If if they're if the races are based on horsepower, which I seem to recall they are, yeah. then I would imagine um, a cat would have a good good be able to compete pretty well. <laughs> Again, it's a it's a function of length um, and horsepower, so I really don't know how that's laid out. But it could certainly I think you could impress people with what you could achieve uh, for a lot less fuel cost. And that right now fuel's cheap, but. It wasn't a couple of years ago, and it won't be in another year or so either. Yeah. Uh, That's some prophecy right there. Um, Steve, the uh, uh, boats, when they're going fast there, they add all the horsepower, and they try to take these displacement lobster boats and force them out of the water, uh, almost turn them into planing boats. You know, They come right up out of their hole. And it seems to me with catamarans mostly out of the water to start with, and we could have some flying boats on the race course if we did it right, you know. It could do that. I mean, it, it's a it's a more expensive uh, construction process to get a boat that would actually. Um, well, there's, there's builders on the west coast uh, and in Australia doing them with a small hydrofoil below the hull and uh, very very efficient, um, very very low horsepower for high speeds, low wake. Um, you know, again, it's a decision somebody's got to make that they want to try to save some money and and be different. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think about foils? My only concern with foils, and I don't have any knowledge uh, from the field or research, but my only concern is um, fouling. Yeah, fouling or cutting, one or the other, yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I am a big fan of the Alexander Graham Bell Museum down at Badek, Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. And Alexander Graham Bell uh, was big on foils. He... uh, built these, uh, uh, some uh, uh, really quite large crafts, a uh, big cigar-shaped uh, uh, thing, put hydrofoils on it. And, and again, uh, this was back in the Wright Brother days. He was flying boats across the Bredore Lakes there, um, but it never really caught on, you know. Yeah, it was an early application, and I, it, there's, a, there's a lot out there to be done, but boat builders and owners are conservative, and it costs money to experiment. Well, and again, we come back to the price of fuel again. Uh, just noticing here in the Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors uh, magazine, the March issue, um, it's all about uh, local boat builders. The Winterport Boatyard, just uh, right quite local here. The Transcat 26, they have a, uh, uh, a 26-foot aluminum catamaran. They're pretty proud of building over there. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I was looking at it the other day, and uh, good, good idea. I mean, again, very practical boat. Small is not as effective as large. Um, cats really come into their own over around 40 feet. Uh, below that, it's hard to get the center hull above the water enough that you don't have occasional wave strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, two thin hulls are a lot easier to push through the water than one big fat one. Yeah. Well, can't wait to see. And, and again, we're hoping that there's uh, something sustainable for all these fishing boats to do yeah. in, in the future, you know. Yeah, you can carry all the pots you want, if the, but there's no bugs to catch. It's uh, kind of problematic. Well, and again, I'm just talking 30 years. You you uh, been looking at it probably a couple extra and and uh, changing, and and our lifetime has been so significant. And you kind of look to the future and worry about the kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I know. Talking to a builder down east, he was concern because there's a lot of guys spending they're making a lot of money and they're spending it they're not putting it away and he says it's it's going to come back and and Mm. and bite them because this can't go on forever uh on the other hand the money people are making lots of money too and they're buying boats and that apparently can go on forever the way they do it (laughs) they've got unlimited coffers yeah apparently so uh uh one of my best uh boat jokes steve and i even tell this to some investment banker uh, types you know some of these uh financial geniuses uh, isn't it a good thing we don't go to see in boats you design and build You know, I can say that when I'm delivering their boat. Some of them don't really laugh much, but they can't. I think they get it. So, well, one hopes so. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, you got you got work to do this morning. Anything, Bodie? Uh, yeah, I'm um, working on a boat for yard down in southeastern Mass. I've been lofting the superstructure now. I got to get parts out for it. So. And define boats. A big vague word. Uh, this one's a pat- excursion boat, three decks, 180 feet. Whoa. Um, so. It's been, it's the second, well, second, third, fourth, fifth boats of a series. We're finally getting around to doing the second, third, and fourth boats. Uh, the tweaking. Yeah. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah, it's nice while it lasts. We'll see what comes after it. Yeah. So things are slow, but one survives. So back to catamaran, Steve. Um, what do you think about the ultimate stability of catamaran versus a, a monohull when you're, like, up at 45 degrees or whatever? Well, first got to get there, and it's, and it's very difficult because 
you, you start healing a catamaran down and you reach a point where one hull starts to lift out of the water and that's an awful lot of weight at a very long lever arm uh-huh. yeah you can flip them over as we know from sailing cats but with sailing cats you've got one major lever arm up there with all that rig yeah you got major purchase yes um it really it's a coast guard does a different series of calculations for stability on catamarans than they do on monohulls because um the, the standard calcs don't work it's a it's a different type of vessel and a different way of uh figuring you're basically figuring out how much energy uh it takes to roll the boat over and when you start calculating it with catamarans it's it's pretty significant initial initially you can move them a little bit it's quite easy but after that it becomes very difficult our friend steve callahan wrote a uh, wonderful book um called capsized about some uh, people in the pacific i think there were 106 days on a capsized trimaran and of course the thing was perfectly fine upside down it yeah. stayed just as happy upside down as it would have been right side up otherwise and he couldn't get it back there and and they chopped into the hull and uh that book's hard to find. Steve, of course, uh, the star of Adrift, his uh, account of uh, being 76 days in a life raft as his homemade boat sank off of uh, the Azores and he drifted across to the Caribbean. But that uh, capsized book, if you ever see it, it's worth, worth looking into, a good multi-hull story. And uh, the good part of the story, besides the multi-hull, was so stable upside down as those people didn't get along very well at all <laughs> <laughs> for 106 days trapped on. It was a people, bad people story, so... Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's, it's bad enough to be on a boat with somebody you don't like, but to be in that condition is even worse. Uh, again, old stories, lesson there for somebody. So. Well, it, the the design, um, the design manuals I had when I first started with 30 years ago, on when the sections on cats that Steve Callahan wrote actually, um, there were always references to designing the boat so that you can get out through the underside of the hull when it capsizes. Yeah. And that's still not a bad idea. Huh. With a, a powerboat, it's a different game. You're not likely to be caught inside the boat. Uh, mm. But certainly the sailing vessel is a consideration. Yeah. Well, Anyways, good, so good go to talk to somebody that knows something this morning. Thank well, you. Theory is I know something. Reality may not be true, but we try. Uh, you can bill it, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bye, Steve. Steve. Morning. one 625 If you'd like to add your salt to the Sioux, we're certainly uh, welcome to... Talk about most anything here on Boat Talk. There are a couple of uh, uh, rescue at sea stories we could uh, mention here. Uh, phones ring again. We'll see what happens. But uh, there were a couple people, uh, sailboats just rescued recently out in the yep. ocean that both have uh, kind of silly uh, stories to them when you get right down to it. Uh, and they all seem to be, well, I don't know about all, but yeah. uh, a vast majority of mm, uh, silly I starts. I think oh. part of it, uh, the commonality, I think, was a certain kind of, I'm sorry, a certain kind of... Uh, <laughs> Silly uh, uh, boat dreamers. It's all about uh, dreams. Uh, again, a, a reference we make on Boat Talk all the time to uh, boats and dreamers. Right. And yeah, a couple of people's we boat, will be back to that for boat sure. Boat dreams come a cropper anyway. Yeah, let's first go to uh, David and Bremen. Good morning, David. Hey, hey guys. Hey, um, you guys were talking about catamarans and uh, what about the sea sled? I ran across an article in wooden boat maybe 20 years ago and haven't really heard anything else about that but apparently he was like the first guy to go fast on less horsepower and um 
I think he made surface uh, piercing propellers or something work. Um, what you're referring to is, uh, I think it's the Hickman sea sled, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and and when you get right down to it, isn't it kind of a, a more of a tunnel, kind of a Boston yeah. Whaler kind of a... Yeah, well, Boston Whaler came out of that, I think. Yeah, but. kind of a Boston Whaler type hall, uh, kind of a little tunnel hall there that, again, gets up and skips over the water, but yeah, uh, b- way, bef- way before it's time. Yeah, and so I was also, like, wooden boat's the only place I've ever heard anybody talk about this. Yeah. What happened? Oh, uh... Have you just passed that time by and gone on to better things, or... More horsepower, man. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, but I'm <laughs> in favor of less horsepower and less gas, especially when I'm buying. So I just uh, passed a 250 horsepower uh, outboard hanging on a wall, uh, and man, that thing that's that surprised me how big it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of horsepower. And then you think about 250 horses, that'd be a lot of barn space too. So there. You know, it would be. It's amazing when you get right down to it. We have this a, is, a is incredible. A boat talk archives picture of a. Uh, a hard bottom inflatable with eight two hundred and fifty horsepower. Um, yeah, I remember that. On the, right, on the back side of it. Yeah, and again, more horsepower. That'd be the theme here today. Go for it, uh, drill, baby, drill. I say, uh, somewhat tongue in cheek. Um, yeah, and Wooden Boat Magazine, of course, has uh, excellent uh, online resources. There, you can uh, Google. Um, yeah, the wooden I boat seen index. Else. Just that one article from you know whenever that was in the nineties, maybe. We'll, and, have, uh, we'll have to go and talk with some of our people at Wooden Boat and see if we can get some more info on that. That'd be kind of neat. I'd look forward to that. There's one right across the hall. And yeah. again, uh, there's uh, uh, to go faster. We got to get the boat out of the water. Yeah, you know, yeah. is part of yeah. the thing. We can't be plowing a big hole of water and, and trying to push that uh, all that big wave of water out of the way. We got to get up on top of it and start skipping. When things start skipping, then things start flying. Yeah. Uh, you know, that wild world of sports uh, opening reel with the hydroplane uh, going down and, and doing somersaults. Remember that mm, from no, classic? I've uh, seen them do somersaults and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do. So anyway, uh, and again, more more horsepower, more excitement. Uh, yay, buddy. Yeah. 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 Well, I just thought I'd throw that out there because I feel like, you know, I'm curious what happened to that because a lot of people do just, you know, they just want to bop around anyway and have their cleaning outboard motorboat. And, uh, you know, like, do we really need to have 400 horses on the back of your boat or can we do this with a little less or a lot less? Hey, well, and again, uh, uh, you know, a uh, Boston Whaler is really kind of a genius uh Designed hull when you get right down to it. Yeah. Uh, you can do a lot with a Boston Whaler with low power, stable. Wow. Cut it in yeah. half. Cut them in half, stand <laughs> on the rail. Uh, uh-huh. And again, the uh, uh, way I would understand it evolved uh, pretty directly from the Hickman sea sled we'd be talking about. Yeah, uh, I think so. And I think that there was a also a boat in the 70s, some kind of tri hull deal where the guy had the center hull just to get away from some kind of copyright something or other but i don't know that's based on memory from when i was a child so it may not be true you know what i was uh riding down the bumpy road singing the 21st century blues yesterday david uh uh here we are in the 21st century not as cool as i hoped it would be where the hell's my flying car you know yeah let alone my yeah. flying boat 
or your Back to the Future uh, skateboard without wheels. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry. It's, um, I'm sort of taking a step back and in some ways and saying, where do I want all this technology at in my life anyway? So, you know. Um, I would say if it helps and amuses, you know. Yeah, but I just remember, you know, being a kid and we went outside. I don't see any kids out outside anymore. I'd agree with that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I digress to other topics, I guess. Yeah. Well, we get into little uh, sailing dinghies for kids and the after-school sailing programs. How, how, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. That would be good. There are several schools who are doing that. And the uh, MDI Sailing Center, I believe, is just starting up a, a, their program. I saw some in the last uh, local paper about that. Nice. So, and again, no, uh, nothing bad ever happens uh, uh, introducing kids to boats, basically. And, and we get to ask them the boat talk question years later. What happened to you when you was a kid messed you up about boats? Yeah, you know? how, how did you get out there? Yeah. How did I get out there? Yeah, my mother wanted to have somebody who would sail, I think. That's how that started. Ah. So then there were books with boats, and I wanted a boat, and she, so we had to build a boat. And she was a was boater that. wannabe, and you were, the, you were the means, huh? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Are you a bono, b- boat owner, David, present time? I got, I got two boats right now, so at least they're small. And again, uh, a nebulous word, boat. Do you want to describe them a little bit more? So I got a nice little skiff that my dad and I built when I was I don't know, about 15. And uh, I don't live in the, the – my nearest boat ramp isn't the best for that boat, so I haven't been doing that boat lately. And somebody gave me a plastic kayak thing, which just – Oh, it feels like lawn furniture, but, you know, it's great. You can drive into those mud holes and not worry about it. And, oh, that was a rock. That's oh, all right. doesn't matter. Not leaking. It's just plastic, you know? If you could only have one boat, I, I would think it would be a kayak. Uh, extraordinary versatile, uh, you know, yep. stable. Uh, plastic. And, again, you can't <laughs> yeah, I don't like the plastic part. Well, <laughs> but pretty hard not to hurt. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I made one with a varnished teak deck on it one time. Uh, actually, it was uh, it was uh, spruce, um, uh, straight grain spruce with teak trim on it. Varnished it all up, okay. And mm-hmm. then, but somebody's dog always wanted to jump up on it, okay. Oh, oh, <laughs> and all you can do is scratch it. <laughs> Matter of fact, yeah. you can't even sit in it without hurting it. And, and you know, yeah. so yeah, you gotta love the uh, utilitarian. Can't can't hurt it plastic. Though. Hey, and the price is right too, so oh. you know that's even better. Yeah, I've been uh, thinking about uh, getting in kayak just recently. Just a float, I think, is a very good relaxing influence. You know. Yeah, I know. I thought about this weekend, but the tide was running right there, and I was like, you know what? The water's still really cold. It's kind of bumpy when it's running, when the tide's running there. So I'm just gonna wait for high water. It'll be smooth, and I'll go out there and float around a little bit. My first little boat trip of the year. So I couldn't see a way to get in and out of the kayak without a lot of mud. That was my, oh. my issue was mud. Yeah, well, at high water, there's actually cement that runs down there, yeah, so that won't be yeah, so bad. No. Step. We're not going barefoot. Not going barefoot quite yet, and uh, there's, yeah, there's no. mud, mud problems. So. But yeah. again, good... Uh, Good influence just to sit in a floating boat and bob about, I uh, believe, you know. You know, as soon as that ice disappeared off the bay, I was just like, oh, my God, I got to get on the water. Hmm. 
It's just, no, I, I'm counting the minutes, so. Well, thanks to your mom there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's good. Well, thanks, so. thanks for calling this morning, David. Yeah, good well, talk thanks to for coming in and doing the show, guys. It's awesome. Yeah. Got a friend this morning who was, uh, I think at the present time, clearing the snowbank out in front of his sailboat. He wants that thing in the water now, okay? <laughs> and, again, the, uh, 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 you know, yeah. truck right. needs back under the boat. That snowbank's in the way, and we'll move the snowbank. So. 1-866-625-9378. Yeah, there's a lot of rushing going on right now. I, I personally am finishing out a little sailing dinghy, a 12-and-a-half-footer that I've promised to have in the water by May, <clears throat> so I got a little ways to go April, yet. April, uh, a couple weeks, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> goes fast. The spring thing does pile up on you quick, you know. Yeah. And again, um, here's another one of my favorite boat jokes. Okay, uh, we already told the one about the investment bankers. Isn't it a good thing we don't go to sea in boats they design and build? But um, this uh, dinghy you're fixing up, how long is it? Uh, Twelve and a half feet without the bowsprit. It has a removable bows bowsprit and a removable foredeck. Yeah. So it converts to a a, a two station rowing. Yeah. Dinghy. And maybe uh, four and a half feet wide, twelve twelve uh, feet long. Yeah. Uh, four, yeah. About four and a half. So here's here's the uh, boat joke. It's only that long and that wide. How much trouble could it be? <laughs> well, it's, Hasn't been in trouble yet, but I'm really anxious to take it out and see what trouble I can get into in it. Yeah, and again, uh, lots of uh, it's amazing how many parts there are in a boat, how many times you have to touch every part while you're building the boat, um, you know, and uh, then maintain it afterwards. But mm -hmm. that's part of the joy of them, uh, the feedback loop. Yep. You know, of enjoying. The I can boat. use a little feedback on raising and lowering the centerboard. It has an aluminum centerboard. Oh, 42 inches long. Yeah, and the. Uh, the owner wants to uh, raise it up with a lever at the pivot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, see, we don't need to reinvent the centerboard, Alan, because uh, everybody's already tried and nobody's succeeded yet, okay? A centerboard can be a problematical kind of a um, structure, you know. And, again, there's a million ways of doing it, and none of them uh, really have been perfected yet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, since we've uh, got no actual guests this morning for Boat Talk, let's tell another boat joke. Uh, this is old, uh, old uh, boat builder joke, uh, kind of a visual, you know, of the uh, uh, old boat builder died and his buddies get together in the shop with a bottle of rum and they're going to build him a box, you know, to send him off in proper shape. And, and they get done and they, they find out that the thing's got a, a bow on both ends and a centerboard in the middle, and how's he going to fit in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can make it work. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you uh, want some relief from uh, our jokes, that's probably a good thing to do. Give us a call and talk about. Um, you were talking about turning turtle being upside down in a boat for a long time uh, in Maine Coastal News a couple of years ago. I remember reading a story about back when they were experimenting with boats and they made a large uh, over 100 foot sailboat but it was a center border very large center board and the boat all capsized and uh, didn't have enough to right itself so it was upside down in the water and a few of the people made it out including the captain and his dog I think there were four survivors and they ended up staying on top of the, the hull in the center border there um, and 
were adrift for a long time to the point where they finally decided that they had to kill the dog and eat him for, for food. And dog water. first. That would uh, be how it would have to go. Yeah. Um, and they drank the dog's blood, which poisoned one of the guys who died from the blood. Well, that solves the problem of you and me staring at each other once the dog's gone. Yeah. You know? Fortunately, shortly thereafter, uh, they were rescued. Yeah. But, well, that's another story. We'll go to uh, Jim from Belfast to get us off hey. the sea stories. Good morning, Jim. Hey, how you guys doing? Fine. How are you? All right, good. I'm um, boiling off a little syrup here, but I'm thinking about dinghies. And uh, I just wanted to think, ask you guys if you had any thoughts. I'm looking for a little tender for a 28-foot sailboat. It's my first year sailing. Just got a, bought a boat over the winter. And I'm thinking of either building a little tram or a little pointed bow dinghy. Just uh, build out a plywood stitching glue I'm looking at. But I'm just wondering, um, you know, a boat I could maybe tow a bit behind the sailboat, something I can load and, and row well, you know, mm-hmm. something. Um, I don't want to put a motor on it. I'm going to be out in Belfast Harbor. And just wondering, you know, I'm looking at different boat designs and kits online and things, and I'm just, uh, I got two experts here. What might they say? Um, If I was going to uh, uh, get up a dinghy real uh, quick and easy that would be uh, uh, utilitarian, get you across Belfast Harbor, which can be choppy every once in a while, um, I might think about a stitching glue pram where you cut the parts out of plywood you uh, uh, would have full-size patterns uh, somebody would sell you. You'd uh, yeah. trace them out on plywood. you wire them up with uh, plastic wire ties or little bits of, of a coat hanger, and uh, then fiberglass them, and you've got a nice, light, instant boat. Um, the the uh, wooden boat nutshell pram comes to mind. Ah, absolute, pram, absolute, right? absolute classic. Can't do yeah. better. Joel White classic design. Little. Now, uh, is it going to make a difference if I'm pulling it behind the boat, like uh, if I don't feel like pulling it up on the deck? If I'm pulling it behind a pram with a little square front bow versus like a a regular like you wanna, whatever you would call a pointed bow to slice yeah. the wave a little better or not really you uh, you want to keep your towing eye as low as possible so I put it right in the very bottom of that uh, V that's going to be in the front there and yeah. uh, again pram uh, more padding when it runs into you uh, you know coming at you on yeah. a slack line. Um, the trick about towing things is you don't just uh, tow a dinghy anywhere behind a boat. Um, our boat, as it goes through the water, has a wave. As it pushes the water out of the way, it makes a wave. And behind the boat are, are, is, is a wake with wave on it. Um, there's often a standing wave behind the boat. And yeah. you can tow the dinghy behind that wave and make it try to push through it all the time, or you can put the dinghy on the face of that wave, and then you'll find that the, the tow rope for the dinghy will go slack sometimes as the boat surfs down towards you, and it's getting a bit of a free ride then. Yeah, but also the rope's headed for the propeller too. Yeah, but anyway, again, there's, there's uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm a little fussy on towing dinghies. But you don't want to be you don't want to be uh, uh, doing two other things either. You don't want thing uh, the thing up on the deck because it's going to have to go uh, somewhere it doesn't fit up on the forward part of the boat. And the other thing you don't really want uh, almost tried to kill me one time was uh, davits the dinghy hanging on davits behind the boat. Yeah, not a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah. For looks and for also uh, just the pure seamanship of it. We were in a storm one time. Headed to the Caribbean, and uh, the uh, brand-new uh, dinghy in the Davits was being swamped by following seas. 
and uh, becoming a bit of an issue. And it couldn't be gut free. It couldn't be bailed loose. And and I decided to deflate it. I, this was a pretty good plan I thought I was having. And uh, we've been working on this for a while, and I had some people that were holding my feet while I'm hanging out over the back of this boat. And, again, we're being boarded by fallen seas. And, you know, I got people holding my feet, and I'm, I'm under three feet of green water holding my breath and, and thinking, oh, this is really stupid. <laughs> so I grabbed my sailor knife off my, be- off my belt, and I was going to take the marlin spike, and I'm, I'm going to open the valve, and we're gonna do- I'm going to deflate the thing. But I wasn't telling anybody what I was doing because, you know, it was kind of hard communicating and, mm-hmm. and when I pulled the uh, Marlin Spike uh, knife off my belt there, Captain started screaming, no, no, and he thought I was going to stab it, yeah. which would have been another idea. Yeah, that was <laughs> the plan too. And again, it shouldn't have been up there in the first place, so. Right. Yeah. So anyway. All right, well, thanks, you guys. I appreciate the uh, the input there. <laughs> yeah. I better get off because my phone is about ready to run out of power. Yeah, best of luck. Might see you out in <laughs> Belfast Harbor. All right, see you yeah. guys. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We're talking on uh, boat talk here on Community Radio W E R U F M Blue Hill. Boat talk is your uh, call-in boating show for people who uh, don't really even know anything about boats, but might like looking at the pictures of them on the wall. On there you the- go. <laughs> And uh, we thought about talking to a couple other people on Boat Talk this morning. None of it ended up working out, and uh, we can talk to you instead. One eight six six. Six two five nine three seven eight. One of the people we are uh, not talking to this morning is Captain Jim Sharp, and we might talk to him uh, coming up in the near future. Yep, he's runs the uh, June. Yeah, uh, sailing uh, steam uh, museum down there in Rockland, and Jim has a uh, book that uh, uh, managed to get out of the library. I've read it before and just uh, poking through it again. It's absolutely delightful, and. Uh, so here's a possible reading assignment for anybody who want to uh, uh, check out uh, next month or two's boat talk. Is uh, Captain Jim Sharp's book is called "With Reckless Abandon: Memoirs of a Boat Obsessed Life," and it's just absolutely delightful. A lot of it uh, based in the Camden area there, and a lot of it recognizable. And yeah, um, we do have another phone call. Yeah. so we'll go to our friend Gene down in Belfast. Good morning, Gene. Back in the day when I was cruising. I had a, a 31-foot schooner and a 31-foot camper Nicholson, and um, the uh, the dinghy was a nesting dinghy, which I built myself, stitch and glue, supposed to be able to be done in one weekend, well, maybe not so much when uh-huh. you're a novice. And um, the advantage of that was that in bad weather, you could actually put it on the boat, even on the tiny schooner, which would fit between the two masts. And I think the designer was Danny Green, and it was from Wooden Boat approximately uh, early 80s. Uh-huh. It's called a nesting dinghy. It yeah. uh, comes apart into two, in two halves, two two halves, halves yeah. that bolt together, yeah, with a gasket. It pretty well. I never did get involved with engines. Yeah. So uh, I guess you could probably find that in their archives somewhere, somehow. And again, the uh, eternal uh, uh, search for the perfect uh, design, you know, which is all, everything's a trade-off. And 
You know they got ones you can blow up now. They're made out of air, and they disappear down into a little bag, almost uh, take up no space whatsoever, but they're not perfect either. So yeah, they're ducklings. Yeah, you know? they're fun to row. Yeah. <clears throat> not much fun to row. Not much fun to uh, row. Among yes. other, yeah. Again, trade-offs are, uh, uh, it's all a trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I used to have a couple of boats. What do you do boating nowadays, Jean? I am in 12-step big boat recovery. And I'm the only one in the group that I know of, although I have known people in my life who should have been in the group. I could and, um, I'm sorry. Uh, who should have been in boat recovery. Huh. I've known people who should have been in boat recovery, <laughs> but I don't have a group to go to right now. So I have uh, probably about a uh, half dozen uh, small boats. And uh, last fall I bought a 12-foot aluminum sloop. Um built in Canada in the 60s called a SB-12, and I didn't put it in the water last fall because it was so late in the year and there's often bad storms that time of year, so we're looking forward to going sailing. A 12-foot sloop. 12 foot, is that 12 total feet or 12 foot on exactly. the water line? Yeah. 12 feet. So yes. quite small. And again, I think the, the feedback loop, the smaller the boat, the better the feedback loop. When you're sailing. Oh, when you're sailing or just sitting in a, a kayak or a or a pram or anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, butt boat. As is, opposed uh, to hydraulic steering or something. Yeah, or being on a uh, aircraft carrier for, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, just take the extreme. Uh, and, again, uh, uh, keep things simple and, and a nice intimate feedback loop. Yeah. Right. Can't wait. Yeah. Thank you. You had a, you had a, bo- a free boat that when we last talked, I believe. Send you a photograph, and I'm oh, always slow on the tech on the technology. So, so you um, still have the free boat, just getting to be more of an antique. It, it's further down the spectrum from antique, <laughs> more close to the definition of wreck. Uh-huh. We've uh, got to tell a couple boat joke, jokes this morning, and I would have to point out the uh, glaring oxymoron. You guys just keep saying free, free boat. boats. Yes, you know we have another. <laughs> We have another free boat story on the Well, he said if I bought a new boat, I would name it You Just, and that's what's going to be painted on the stern of this little sloop. Yeah, Yeah. free boat. How much trouble could it be? Yeah, you have to send us a picture of a 12-foot sloop. I don't think I've ever seen one that small. That's that's cool. Well, best of luck with your boating dreams there, Gene. Fair winds. Yep, thanks for calling this morning. Bye, Gene. Yep, uh, Boat Talk, one 625 9378 this morning. We'll talk about anybody that rings the phone. There was a couple people having boat adventures. This fellow rescued off South Carolina. He was out there for something like uh, 60-something days, Alan. On top of his boat. Uh, well, maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, we're coming back to capsize. And um, uh, this fellow, his boat looked to me like a Pearson 28. It looked like a, a 28-foot sailboat with a step cabin on it. It looked like a Pearson to me. Uh-huh. And it's a uh, keel, uh, you know, production sailboat. He doesn't have a lot of experience. He's also um, a bit uh, uh, loose-lived, I guess you could say. Uh, he disappears off on adventures, and nobody knows where he is or what he's doing. And uh, he's got this boat that so he doesn't know much about. Missing. It was a nice day. Yeah. He decided to untie it, go out fishing. Yeah. And the engine crapped out, and then the sail was messed up. And uh, he's 66 days uh, out there, and... and um, Rescued by a passing uh, uh, cargo ship that uh, brought him in. Now, um, they talked about his boat capsizing. I think what they mean is his, his, his boat got knocked down. 
Okay. So the, the yeah, I can't imagine appears an upside down in the water. <laughs> no, you can't have a keel sailboat. It won't stay upside down like right. the catamaran or trimaran we were talking about earlier. It will sink, and uh, uh, but it will be knocked down like a um, a punching dummy will be knocked down, and then the ballast weight brings it back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, up that's what it's supposed to to do. But if it takes on too much water, it sinks. So again, the accounts of this were were quite. Um, unseamanlike in, in my my view, you know, and hard to tell exactly what was going on there. And uh, controversy is barely interrupted on the uh, Internet, it turns out, about whether this guy was ever lost at all. I mean, he has no sunburn. He doesn't yeah. look skinny. Well, you know. My wife, when she saw that initial TV, that's what she said. She says, I don't think this is real. <laughs> and people have such little understanding of, of uh, out there in quotes, to start with, and, and so who knows what happened to him. But um, there was another uh, couple people that were rescued off of uh, uh, Rhode Island uh, uh, back in February, and, and uh, two Australians, father and son. Uh, this Australian is a sailmaker. Uh, the boy is a sailor, and he's a sailmaker, works on boats, and he has this dream of having a boat. So online he found this wicked cheapo 43-foot a uh, racing sailboat in Ten, Rhode Island. $10,000 they paid for. Oh, yeah. wicked cheapo. Yeah. And got him and dad over to Rhode Island and spent uh, six weeks on the dock, uh, you know, choring on the boat and stuff. Fixing her up. Thought they'd untie it just before a uh, uh, northeast uh, gale is coming through in February and, and sail off to Bermuda, the Cape of Good Hope, and Australia. No big deal. Dad's never been sailing, okay? And uh, that did not trip did not last long. They were uh, rescued. I have a little, few more details on that too. Yeah, uh, one of the workers at the boatyard where they were headed on on the dock uh, said that it was delaminating so badly that when you crawled into the lazarette down under the seat lockers and stuff, where it's usually a, a dark enclosed space. It was like daylight. There was so much sun coming in through the fiberglass. It was so they talked bad. about a uh, gel coat, which is the. Um, um, uh, gel coat is a thickened pigment layer that's on top of the, the fiberglass. That's the the layer that we look at, the shiny layer that you, you, you polish paint and paint. Yeah, yeah. Um, that can flake off and come loose. Um, and then, uh, if you have just a bare naked uh, fiberglass boat, you probably could see th- see light through it. Yeah, um, maybe solid enough, but they didn't uh, see trial the boat. They didn't have enough people on board um, to uh, make a voyage like that, left before a storm. They were advised against leaving by the Coast Guard, specifically against leaving. Um, Again, didn't have uh, uh, any experience with that boat or hadn't even taken the boat out around the harbor. And uh, when they shook it up, the the, uh, uh, engine stopped working. And then I think they ripped their own sails trying to handle the sails. I think they ripped them Mm -hmm. uh, while they were uh, trying to get them up and down, let alone they. So they were kind of out of luck. And the Coast Guard helicopter that picked them up did so in 60-mile-an-hour winds in in February. And they said that was a rough trip. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, here's here's, uh, telling boat jokes this morning. Here's the end of this comes from the... uh, Points East Magazine, which is free, and this is the March-April 2015 edition. Uh, Points East, what did you learn from all this? Given what happened, would you do it all again? McGlashan, you can never have enough spares. Given what happened, I would do it again. My only regrets are getting the Coast Guard to come and get us and leaving my yacht, which is left adrift at sea, and he'd give anything to find that right now. I tell you where it is now. (laughs) 
And again, man had a dream, and and uh, you'll find a bunch of them people if you start bumming around the uh, waterways of the world. More and more, and uh, yeah, I had a friend who was a uh, uh, hitchhike boat hitchhiking back uh, from the South Seas, and. Uh, first the boat had a uh, fuel leak, and uh, when they fixed that uh, and got the engine all turned around, uh, they stopped at the nearest harbor and, and uh, ended up uh, on a rock that ended up putting a hole in the boat and taking the keel off. And and again, was the uh, seamanship of the was the boat fit? Was the was the captain fit? Was uh, you know? And so welcome to boat hitchhiking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, here's another good one like that too. This one comes from uh, G Captain. It's a uh, online boating news service usually mostly a big big boat stuff but they couldn't resist putting up this little post about a, a fellow from uh, south florida who decided he was going to walk to Fl- to bermuda have you seen the great big uh, like eight foot diameter hard plastic bubbles that you can get inside of i was going to say you wouldn't even uh, to sail to bermuda you you wouldn't want to leave from florida it's not a good sailing direction mm-hmm. to get to bermuda yeah well, he decided he was going to walk to Bermuda in one of these big things. And the only thing he had with him were two bottles of water and a cell phone. And Coast Guard picked him up. Thank God he was smart shore. enough to bring water, you know. <laughs> Where are you going, Bermuda? Okay. <laughs> and, again, if you wanted to sail even a uh, weatherly craft to Bermuda, you have a hard job. You're going to windward from Florida, and you wouldn't want to do uh, that. Yeah, that, yeah. That little bubble. But you got to like people in their little floating dreams, you know. Yeah, we allow yeah. for dreams on Boat Talk, but, again, we also allow that you have to learn from the mistakes of others. You haven't got enough time or lives to make all those mistakes yourself. Yeah, it could have been his last mistake. So anyway, speaking, so, of, speaking of boat talk this morning, uh, we still have a couple minutes left. one 625 9378 is the phone number here's here. Here's something to think about. Um, the National Marine Fisheries Service has uh, said now they're considering making the entire Gulf of Maine uh, a... Uh, right whale endangered habitat zone, which means that they can uh, limit the number of uh, lobster buoys. Yep. And uh, the lobstermen are a little bit upset about that. Uh, the reason why is when, as you get further offshore, they have a grading scale when you're fishing between three and six miles offshore, you have to have three traps on one line. Um, between 6 and 12, you have to have five traps on one line. And outside of 12, you have to have 15 traps on one line to try to keep the uh, the number of uh, vertical lines hanging in the water down so they don't ensnare so many whales. But uh, And mind you, we just threw away all that line the other year, all the, all the floating line. All the floating line, yep. yeah. And uh, can we ever get along uh, <laughs> and share the habitat sustainably? Now, there's a big question. Mm-hmm. And... It is. It's a miracle out there. It is such a rich environment. Um, it's an absolute miracle when you get right down to it. Watching on the uh, public television some uh, stargazing uh, shows about uh, finding other planets, and the thing that we look for in, in another planet is water. Um, yeah. It all comes yeah. down to water. That's what we're doing on Mars, yeah. Yeah, and the planet's mostly water, and uh, the life is... Uh, uh, things tend towards life, and, and the water is an extraordinarily rich environment. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing, too, that our friend Captain Yeo called up a few years back and said that and no matter where you sample seawater nowadays, you can get bits of plastic in it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Whoops, Oops. almost did it again. Yeah. I, uh, yes, having uh, done some uh, plastic work this winter, I can believe that. I uh, actually thought I found some little shards of plastic in, in uh, my accommodations the other day that, again, uh, should have been about a month or so behind yeah. me. Portland has gone online as far as, I believe, of, um, not maybe it's banning or either uh, banning or putting a, a fee on disposing of styrofoam now into their landfills because they want to keep it out of the landfills but boy it's uh wreaks havoc when it gets into the water too i like to tell people the uh matter of fact i told this to the people i want did the uh uh plastic wainscoting and then had to take it to the uh, big trash heap up there up in uh, uh hamden on the off the interstate okay mm. and uh, remember on boat talk when um, we uh talked to people who found the prehistoric tools in a scallop drag oh, yeah. in, in the mouth of, bass of uh, bass harbor yeah and there is a uh, oh uh, a 90 foot spot there that's uh, surrounded by 120 foot water. Might have been a 30 foot hill next to a lake years ago. And uh, we found they they found these uh, Stone Age tools that they recognized weren't barnacle covered rocks. We held the stone ads in our hands. Mm-hmm. Now you get chill. Yeah. And you try to figure out what those people like from what they left in their trash. And when they dig up that plastic stuff in that big hill up, to, <laughs> they're gonna say, "No wonder they ain't here no more." Yeah. And I guess that would be the last joke this morning for Boat Talk. Yep, time for us to uh, push off and make room for Rich Hillsinger coming in next with On the Wing here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor, and on the Internet at WERU.org. WERU Community Radio depends on and is grateful for the generous support of our listeners. 